Hey everybody, today's episode we're going to talk about mental health. Not only mental health just based on the individual, but similar to last week's video, we want to talk about it in the macro. What happens when your mental health, and the sociologists are going to love this, is affected by institutions around you? Now that might be systemic racism, sexism, bigotry, misogyny, whatever the case may be. It's, it's an idea where it's not like you're the problem. It's the system's the problem. Let's say you live in a city where they don't give jobs to people of your ethnicity, whatever ethnicity, you might even be white. Let's say whatever ethnicity you are, they don't give you a job because of that ethnicity. Now, keeping in mind that institutional oppression, if I look at you and go, you're just not working hard enough. You need to take responsibility. You need to stop being a victim. Do you see how that's problematic, folks? Like, I'm the first person to say you have to take responsibility. But if you're in a corrupt organization where a supervisor is not looking out for his employees, maybe it just doesn't make sense to give it your all anymore. And maybe it's not a matter of like, oh, if you folks saw my burnout video, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about when your boss assigns you way too much work. And then when you tell them you're getting tired, they recommend you do yoga on your off time. Or they say, oh, you're probably spending too much time on social media. Rather than saying, oh, maybe we can do something on our end to lighten it up. So for the people who pressed on this video, maybe it's because of the title. Maybe it's because you've heard some rumblings about what's going on in Iran. Or maybe you know a great deal about what's going on in Iran. And look, this video is not just about one country. It's not just about one place. It's about suffering. And it's about human rights. And there's a very real question about what do we do? How do we use the power of social media to the fullest extent to give power to the people into what we believe is right and what we believe is true? This could be any country, whether it was the horrific things going on in Syria in 2015, whether it was the civil war that was going on in Ethiopia that many people have no idea it happened. Look, things are happening all the time. And, and it's normal that you're not going to know about them all. You're not going to care about them all. It's, we don't have enough empathy as human beings. What's more logical is the place that you're more connected to, you're going to hear a little bit more about it. If you've traveled to France a good bit, maybe if something happens to France, it's going to strike a chord with you that won't with someone else. If you were a person who was born in Iran or lived in Iran, well, you're going to feel this a lot more than you would if there was a war or a terrorist attack in some other place. So... It's normal. So, I, so we shouldn't be in this place where even though there's terrible things happening all the time, from the outside, it's easy to feel guilty. It's easy to have a feeling of powerlessness because what can I do? I'm far, far away, hundreds of thousands of kilometers away. What can I do to help besides watch? How can I go out and celebrate and go to a restaurant and have a good time when I know this is happening to people worldwide? Suffering is inevitable. And we're going to have mental health difficulties that fluctuate across time. Now, when you look at protective factors of health, both mental and physical health, social programs are a huge factor. One of the downfalls of psychology and counseling right now is imagine a guy walks in and he says, look, there is no funding for this program that I need because I have a disability. So I'm gone from there. My girlfriend walked out on me. It's broken my heart. And I don't have enough money to buy X, to buy, let's say, regular groceries. As a counselor, there's only so much you can do 
before you take a look back and you go, someone has to change the system. If you're a police officer who's an amazing person, but maybe the higher ups are biased and prejudiced and have stereotypes, now you find yourself into a problem. Because it's the old idea of, look, you can keep jumping into a river and pulling people out. But the question becomes, why do people keep falling into this river? Like what, is someone pushing them in? Are they falling in? What's happening? And unfortunately, if you're in a place which is tyrannical, which is filled with a dictator and fascism, if you live in a world where you cannot say no to the government or to any household, you have to follow by the rules. The only other option is an uprising. You either do it their way or you take the highway. This is going to cause a lot of stress for people's mental health. I'm very curious to see mental health reports of the people of Iran pre-COVID, during COVID, and after these protests. When you stand up for what you believe in, you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting yourself in harm's way of a fine, of maybe physical punishment, or even of death. So the question becomes, who stands up for what? In most social situations, believe it or not, it's very, very hard for people to come together. Like if there's something wrong, usually people are sitting back and maybe one person goes forward. And all it takes is one person to go forward to inspire the others to come forward as well. We've seen this so many times in different psychological stories of people being harmed. My own story of crossing the street, a guy flips off his scooter, falls face down. There's three or four cars that all see that. They all drive by leaving me and the guy to, to help him out, to take care of him, to see if he's okay. Is that because they're bad people? Maybe they're in a rush? It's not about vilifying someone, but it's about recognizing how easy it is to turn the other way when there's a problem. So whatever aspect you're in, whether it's a macro, whether it's a city, whether it's an institution, whether it's in your own household, whether it's your wife, whether it's your husband, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a nephew, a niece, an uncle, an aunt, when you see a problem, I promise you other people are aware of that problem as well. But what most people do is they wait back for someone else to deal with it. If I think there's something wrong, if I'm the typical person, I'm going to keep my mouth shut until someone else points it out. And guess what the person besides me is thinking? The exact same thing. And the person beside them, the exact same thing. So we have to recognize in any situation you're in, if you see something wrong, whether it be because of your government, whether it be another person on the street harming someone else. Not only is it, do I encourage you to do something? I believe it is your right. It is your duty. It is your obligation to do something. Now, please do not put yourself in harm's way. In time and time again, in self-defense scenarios, there have been so many situations where let's say a group of four or five guys is harassing a woman. One guy thinks he's Superman. He runs across the street to help her. And they, uh, they hurt him. They hurt him really, really badly. Like they injure him pretty severely. So the narrative here isn't blindly run into danger. But it's, first of all, it's recognized that you see bad in the world. Why do people chant? Why? What does that do? Because they like to hear their own voices? I am communicating with all of you and you're communicating with me that we see the same thing. And even though I don't know you, even though we might be from different parts of the world, 
We are all uniting together to confront X, whatever it may be. Protests for environment, protests for bike lanes, protests for women, for abortion, against abortion, whatever it is. The idea of protesting, the idea of chanting is we are doubling down on the idea that we're all in this together. That we all have the same message and that we want to push forward. What gets extremely tough is going from we all notice there's a problem to everyone's talking about it. Imagine you're in a house and there's you and five and six of your friends. Something's up with the house. Like something's wrong. You don't know if it's haunted. You don't know if there's someone else secretly living in there. You're going out. It's an Airbnb, a nice cabin in the woods, and something's wrong. You hear the floor creak. It's as if you hear another voice in the house that isn't one of your friends. The, the analogy that I'm hoping to propose here is it's the same as being in an institution that is oppressive. There's something isn't right. And you look around at your friends and you go, well, they're not noticing it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too sensitive. Maybe I'm, I'm too much of a snowflake. This younger generation, these 20-year-olds, they're a bunch of snowflakes. They're so sensitive. What do they mean they want women to be able to not have to wear hijabs? But what do they mean women should, should be allowed to wear shorts and they should be allowed to go into soccer stadiums? What snowflakes? And if I don't see my friends complaining, it's going to make me think twice about complaining. Now, I understand that the intensity of those two, of the analogy to the institution are completely different, but I want to show you it's the exact same principles. Until one person comes out and goes, hey guys, have you noticed this house is a little weird? Someone else says, what do you mean? Well, I noticed the floor just creaks on its own. And someone else says, I noticed that too. Someone else comes out and goes, look, uh, I keep hearing weird noises from the bathroom and there's no one in there. What the heck is up with that? And then you start to band together. And then you start to realize, it's not me. Like, I'm not wrong for seeing these things. The foundation is wrong. And when you recognize the foundation is wrong, now we can start to move forward. And what, let's say the person who gave you the Airbnb, um, what they want to do, their main goal is they don't want you to attack the owner. So they make you feel like it's an individual problem. Oh, you're too picky. Come on. I mean, it's what you paid for. Come on. What do you mean floor creaking? There's no floor creaking. You think it's creaking. It's the wind. And they do this to separate people. So when you look at an institution that's dictatorial, dict dictate, that's run by a dictatorship. That's run in a tyrannical manner. The first thing that people do when they get together is they start chanting. And they recognize that we're in this together. And they recognize that, hey, I see what you're seeing and we have to do something about it. Even if you're not in that place. You might be an individual who's far, far away. Hundreds, if not thousands of kilometers away. For example, a lot of people spoke up about Ukraine when Russia invaded Ukraine. I read a horrific article about some of the, there was a psychologist that had gone to Ukraine and had talked to some of these women. And there were stories, pardon me, this is going to be explicit, of Russian soldiers breaking into the house, shooting any men that were around, the husband, the brother, and assaulting the females right then and there as the husband's body was dead maybe two, three meters away from them. And they would assault the girls one at a time so they could watch. Think about what that does to someone afterwards. 
And what was really interesting was after the fact, after you read through some of those horrific stories, the, the psychologist was talking to some of these girls and what they've been through, some of them as young as 14 years old. And they said, look, this is horrible. I'm never going to forget this. I'm going to cry for a very long time, but life goes on. My dad would have wanted me to stay strong and to keep going. I still have more to do. And this is going to be terrible and this is going to be extremely hard, but, but I want to keep living life. What I aim to bring to light by sharing that horrific story is that in great tragedy, we find two big things. One, unity. The second, resilience. People can push back more than we anticipate. People can come together more than we anticipate. Now, the resiliency piece is actually a two a double-edged sword, I believe you'd call it. In one sense, it's great because it means people can bounce back. It means one event doesn't define your entire life. Right? The girl didn't say, I'm going to forget about it. She said, look, I'm never going to forget, forget this. But life is a struggle and I'm going to keep moving forward. It is what it is. On the other hand of resiliency is it allows people to put up with things that they should have no business putting up with. When a child is abused by his, his or her parents, they can build resiliency over time. And maybe they build tolerance toward it, like they get used to it, it becomes normalized. The only unfortunate thing is that is something that you should never become tolerant to. That negative, which we once thought unacceptable behavior, becomes regular and acceptable. So now the question becomes, what do you do after years of being accustomed to this behavior, whether it's from the government, whether it's from corrupt police, whether it's from parents, whether it's from a spouse? The first thing that you realize is just because I followed along all this time doesn't mean I have to follow along in the future. And change is possible. It won't be easy. It won't be simple, but it's possible. The first thing that you have to do is you have to identify a problem. It's very similar to going to counseling. One, there is something that bothers me. Two, this is a problem. Three, something needs to change. Do I need to change? Is it my personality? Is it an attitude? Is it a belief? Or does that have to change? Well, if my belief has to change, great, I can do that right now. As they say, don't be a victim, don't make excuses. It doesn't matter that they're violating human rights in this particular country. Don't be a victim. That's that victim mentality. You have to be tough. Or you turn around and go, dude, it's not you, it's the system. The fact that you didn't have a great relationship with your father, that's not your fault. You were just a child. It's not your fault. The fact that you were an adolescent who didn't have the best role models growing up, and found himself in a life of crime and engaging in activities that you're not proud of, it's not your fault. Things happen. The people who we have around us change the trajectory of our lives drastically. Like, it's, it's hard to comprehend how much. So when you're a person living in Iran, or, or any of these countries that have been in a really bad place where poverty is really high, the people are constantly worried for their lives about what the police officers are going to do. You take a step back and you realize, look, I need to change the system. It's not I need to be okay with it. 
If you're an employee working at a business, there's only so much you can think of, well, I can be more punctual. I can be stay a little later. I can come a little early. Eventually, you find out if your supervisor's corrupt or not. And you go, no matter what I do, this is the system. I need to either change the company from within or move. If you have the financial capability, great move. If not, you got to change it from within. And again, it's much easier said than done. Because it's usually going to require a whole lot of people, but it's possible. And it's all based on one idea. And that idea is hope. If you have hope, if you believe it can change, you will go out there and you will start protesting. It could be for, for a tree that you believe in, whatever. You will start protesting if you believe. And if you believe, other people will believe. And maybe you have to be the one that kind of sets the spark so everybody goes out into the street. This is not an easy issue. This is not a shallow issue. This is not one with an easy answer. This is an obstacle. In life, what you do is you find the obstacles in your life and you find ways to overcome them. Do I have to go over it? Do I have to just wait and the obstacle will be opened up for me? Or do I have to run through it? And there are certain times where life's going to put you in a position where you have to run through. There is no going back. There's no going around. You have to run through. And you must bear the consequences that will occur. And it's very easy for me to say that sitting here in my home in a relaxed manner, drinking my tea, not having to worry about my safety. You have to recognize that this is your responsibility. This is your fight. And the people from the outside, they'll do what they can. They'll share it on social media. They'll talk about it. But if you're in an environment, whether it be out in Iran or in your own home or at your own work, with your spouse, with your kids, you have to understand, look, this is my obstacle. I have to take responsibility for what I can do. Not what's been done to me, not the institutions and, and their consequences they've had on my mental health. Look, there are certain things in your environment that are not in your favor, that are actually being done to make you feel worse. You have to identify those things and you have to fight back against those things. One person cannot change the system. But the belief that the system can be changed is enough to get people out there. And if everyone believes it, well, then guess what? You can do something about it. If you strive to be better every single day, guess what? You might just be better by 0.1%. And if everybody has that mentality, then everybody's better by 0.1%. And then the entire world becomes better by 0.1%. You know, you might sit there and go, look, who cares if I stop smoking and start exercising three times a day? Like, if the entire world, if every person on the planet stopped smoking and started exercising three times, excuse me, three times a day, three times a week, do you know how many mortality cases would go down? Do you know the increase in life expectancy we would have? It's extremely hard for one person, but for many, do not underestimate your strength. It will be scary. It'll make you feel uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, you have to decide what you want to do. Are you going through the obstacle? Or are you going to stand there? And I am not here to shame you for whatever choice you do. 
It's very easy for people sitting on the sidelines and go, it's easy, I would do this if I was you, but I'm not you. So I don't know what it's like. And I hope you understand whatever situation you're in, whether it be in the macro or in the micro, think about what the problem is. Think about what do you need to do to overcome this problem or what needs to happen for this obstacle to be overcome. Find people who think the way you do. And once that happens, you can start moving forward. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Take care of your health. Make sure you're sleeping well, you're eating well, and keep your eyes on the news to see what's going on in the world. And by any means, if you ever get tired and the negativities of the world are too heavy, don't feel guilty to turn that stuff off. Go out on a walk. Watch something fun. Make sure you're in a good mood. If you're in a bad place, you're never going to be in a in the right headspace to help anybody else out. So help yourself out first, and then we can start making the world a better place. Take care, everybody.